This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be quite a recap on round one. I'm joined by Kevin Lacey and Mark Eisenberg, and we are going to be getting at it in just a second. If you want to be a part of the show, you know how to interact with us. But if you're new here, check us out on the Twitter, the Instagram, of course, in the YouTube chat, Facebook, SoundCloud, and Reddit. Go ahead and type in that chat. We are going to be monitoring and going over all of today's action uh, and recapping a little bit of yesterday's reactions, too, because, uh, quite frankly, we haven't talked about it, so <laughs> we're probably going to. Joining me is Kevin Lacey. Kevin, how are you doing this evening? Well, guys, um, it was long. Uh, at times, it was agonizing, Lanny. And oh, and the pick is in. The pick is in. The pick is in. Oh my God, the pick is in, guys. Did you know that the pick is in? Good Lord, over it. But hey, at least the sharks pick is in. We're going to talk about that tonight. So thanks for having me on. And uh, Mark, uh, it's good to see you. How you're doing this evening? I'm doing really good. Uh, draft day is always one of my favorite days of the year. Um, it's great, even better when the sharks actually have a first round pick. So. I'm um, looking forward to discussing that, and thanks for having me on. Well, according to our pick position, we won the Stanley Cup, so we should be ecstatic, right? That thought did cross my mind. Like, <laughs> for anyone who didn't watch hockey last year, like, the Sharks, hey, you know how long we've been waiting to draft 31st overall? Well, I guess three years after Vegas. But before that, it was 30th, and we're finally there, guys. Yeah, we've we've yeah. we've climbed that part of the uh, of the mountain, but uh, I think the uh, I'd, I'd rather have the silver the silver cuppy thing if uh, it, you know if if it were up to me. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess Doug did redeem himself getting back into that first round. Um, I certainly would have have uh, preferred pick number uh, four or five, excuse me. But um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, so yeah, let's let's quickly kind of run through it. So first overall goes to the New York Rangers. And of course, I mean, this was the consensus number one. I think everybody knew this kind of going in. But uh, surprise, surprise, Alexis Lafreniere uh, is the number one overall pick uh, coming out of the QMJHL Ramuski. Kevin Lacey donning the uh, the New York Rangers uh, ball cap there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think i think um they're they got a home run pick at, at number one guys i mean he's he's got to be one of the most dynamic offensive players well i mean of course in this draft but i think within the last three drafts to me um probably the most dynamic um, kevin what did you think any any surprises at number one for you I think you're muted, Kevin. 
I'm muted. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that works. So uh, it, it the only surprise uh, was that it took the Rangers until there were about eight seconds left on the uh, time clock before they finally decided, you know, this is the guy we're going to go with. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's a great pick. Uh, for me, like this, the, the, the top five or six is they're all fantastic picks. So the Rangers couldn't have gone wrong with the true number one de facto number one pick in this draft. But I, I do think there were honestly like three number one quality picks in this. I don't know what you think, Mark. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I feel like they had to make the pick they made, but uh, in another, if he wasn't there, I don't think anyone would be questioning whether Byfield or Stutzel were first overall picks quality and possibly yeah. even Lucas Raymond. I mean, these are top-level guys all in the top four and five. So, um, I mean, they really couldn't go wrong with the pick, but the guys who followed after them, I think they got some pretty good players too. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're exactly right, Mark, on that. I mean... Uh, look, I, I think, like we were saying before, consensus number one overall, again, probably the most gifted offensive player in the draft. Um, but at that number two pick, Los Angeles is kind of getting a steal, in my opinion, with Quinton Byfield because, man, this kid is listed at 6'4", 215. But I was uh, listening this afternoon to uh, Hockey Central, and they've said that the kids actually added about 15 pounds and he's going to be playing 6'6", 230. So we're talking like Joe Thornton-esque level, uh, you know, size. And this is not to mention to already stock to Anze Kopitar and the other centers that, uh, that Los Angeles have. And, oh, boy, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. That one, two, three down the middle in, in prospects is just... It's daunting to look at. What do you, what did your what's your take on the uh, on the go big or go home strategy for Los Angeles there, Mark? As a Sharks fan, I can't say I'm happy. <laughs> it's going to be tough going against another big center. I mean, we dealt with um, Kopitar is one of the best two way centers in the game for how long now? Um, so we're going to be dealing with Byfield for who knows how long, but I'm sure he won't, it won't be too long before he's in the NHL with his size and skills. So I guess, welcome to the division. <laughs> We're not happy. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I, I, you know, to me, it's it, just adding to the riches, right? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on it, Kevin? Well, I thought Quentin Byfield was kind of the wild card, not in the sense of his talent level or, or what he's capable of, uh, capable of being in the NHL. I thought it was the wild card in that you see guys like Lafreniere, Stutzla, Raymond, even Perfetti, although I don't think Perfetti's quite there with those guys. But they're all kind of small to average forwards that have tremendous skill. And Quentin Byfield is the big power forward, the unique gem in the top end of this draft. And so I, I feel like L.A. really put the kibosh on on Ottawa's plans. I know Ottawa does have like Brady Kachuk and Logan Brown, who are bigger bodied forwards and stuff. But having with Ottawa having two picks in the top five, I thought it would be a real nice rounded start to their draft by having a smaller forward like maybe Lucas Raymond and then uh, having that big power forward at third overall with Quinton Byfield. It wasn't to be. 
we're going to be miserable having to play against uh, Byfield as as Sharks fans watching him play for the Kings. So um, good pick for L.A. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's just an embarrassment of riches at center for, for Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, as Sharks fans, be prepared for – for an intense rivalry in, in the next few years because, uh, like I said, the, the farm is definitely stocked there in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, that third pick for Ottawa, you know, they, they come out and they draft um, Tim Stutzla uh, from uh, the Dell. And, uh, you know, he's uh, his amateur team is Mannheim. He really well-regarded prospect, um, a guy who's got, Definitely got scoring touch, but also uh, an underrated two-way game as well um, for a for a left winger. So, uh, you know, in my opinion, that was going to be another really really good pick. He could have gone second overall as well. And I mean, if Lafreniere wasn't there, Byfield and and Stutzla could have been challenging for number one and two overall. So, again, kind of a home run for Ottawa there. Um, and and like we've kind of already gone over, Mark is a big fan of Stutzla. Kevin's a big fan. I mean. Probably, yeah, probably the highest rated Euro, um, you know, that was that went, uh, you know, and, and he went with his his the kind of consensus at three uh, going into number four, uh, Detroit and Steve Eiserman. Uh Detroit is no uh, stranger to drafting out of Sweden and they pick Lucas Raymond, uh, 5'11", 170 is his uh, his team that he's coming from is Frolunda. They've got a lot of talent that comes out of out of that team. Them and Skelleftia seem like the two real big powerhouses out of out of the Swedish elite league. And, um, you know, just again, another gifted forward. But he comes from that Swedish line of hockey. So, you know, that he's got some good defensive acumen as well. Um, Mark, what's your thoughts on on Lukas Raymond? Just another skilled forward. Um Coming out of Sweden, like you said, um, he's coming from that program that constantly develops players. And um, he's another one of those guys that you never know. They may have actually had the best option with that pick because they kind of had to choose him. They didn't really have to make a choice. So him falling to them right there at four, you know, you can't really say, well, what if at that point? You took the last one remaining of the elite level players, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know Detroit is is building up that farm system, and and uh, I think um, Kevin can can kind of elaborate a little bit on who's he going to be playing with uh, in the future. <laughs> well, I would assume that if he ends up with the NHL as soon as this next season, whenever that will be, although I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I would imagine he'd be with Dylan Larkin because who else is he going to be with? It's certainly not going to be Justin Abdelkader. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Detroit's got a long way to go. Uh, they've got Steve Eiserman, who is uh, we, we saw what he did with Tampa Bay. I mean, uh, he's not the GM in Tampa Bay anymore, but this was really his cup that he put together this year for the most part. And uh, he's got to start somewhere. So uh, Lucas Raymond, I I think this kid could have been a a number one overall player. I I would rate him below Stutzla and obviously Lafreniere. But I th- I think he's got elite talent. Like Mark said, the the last truly elite player uh, not taken le- yeah yet in the draft, and uh, so it was it was an easy pick for Detroit. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and a couple of a couple of quick notes. Um, 
Quinton Byfield, the uh, highest uh, Afro-Canadian uh, picked in the NHL draft. Um, I think he's actually the the highest black player ever um, drafted. Yes. Uh, so congratulations. And this goes to show you that the Hockey Diversity Alliance and uh, the Hockey is for Everyone campaigns in the NHL is really um, you know, providing uh, appreciable returns. And, you know, you're, we're starting to see more um, uh, more diversity within the sport, but we're also getting to see um, unique picks and unique players go higher and higher. So, uh, you know, I think that we are um, starting to see a really, really nice uh, diversification and especially in round one because round one used to be very canadian uh, usa hockey centric uh, but in the last few years we've gotten a lot of players coming out of uh, of sweden um, of, of germany which is another up and rising slovakia um, and and again it's just great to see the diversity um, and you know we just need a we just need like a hispanic american you know to go really high or a californian to go really high um, and uh, you know, and I'll be happy. But um, no, congratulations to Quinton Byfield. Congratulations to his family, because again, um, this is not only a day for the prospect, but it's a day for the prospect's family, right? Because uh, there is so much sacrifice that everyone has to make when uh, a son or daughter plays hockey. It, it's it's an awesome sport, but very expensive. And um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, between ice time between equipment uh it, it's an extremely expensive sport so really it's it's nice to see um just uh, more people have accessibility to it so um rafael asking how do we keep up with the prospects and how do we follow so many teams well i'll give you a little uh i'll give you a little hint um actually two hints from me uh it's called eliteprospects.com and <laughs> and hockey db um you know go study up on those two um that's where i i get a lot of my information there's Corey pronman's prospect ratings which is also really good of course there is um bob mckenzie's prospect rankings i think you know i think he's the undisputed king on on uh, really evaluating talent um and then as far as uh, multiple team following i think we kind of all are, are dispersed around the country. Mark is in New York. Um, Kevin's up north in, in NorCal, and I'm here in SoCal. But I think we're just really big fans of hockey in general. And, and I think when you when you start with a team like San Jose, for instance, and you kind of get sucked in, it's inevitable that you're going to want to just watch the sport. So, you know, even though... You know, we're all very bitter that the Sharks didn't make it into the playoffs. We all watched bubble hockey because at the end of the day, we were just craving for it. So um, that's those are kind of the the tips and tricks that come from us. Um, and, uh, you know, it's OK to be a fan of one team. I you know, if you want to just be a Sharks fan, totally understand that, too. Um, but I think hockey kind of lends itself to once you get into it. And especially if you get really into one team, it kind of just opens the whole door. And, and so, you know, whenever the Sharks play against anybody, you know, you just kind of follow the, the best players on the teams and, and that's kind of how you go. So um, that's how, how I would respond to that question. You guys have anything to add? 
Uh, I mean, you pretty much covered all the sources I usually use. Um, I very much look forward to Corey Fondman's rankings every year. I've been following him since he was with ESPN and then obviously through The Athletic. Um, but for me, uh, I get a lot of my information just from, like you said, the sources you mentioned, even just Twitter, whether it's following a person who follows college hockey or a person who follows the development programs. Uh, I myself, as you said, live in New York and I went to UMass, so I'm very in tune with Hockey East and college hockey in general. So a lot of times I'm seeing players that are listed as commits for this school and that school and kind of seeing who might be going high in the draft. So um, for me, it's a little bit of a combination of, like you said, elite prospects, um, Corey Parman's rankings. I actually always buy the Hockey News Guide, even though it's not always the best. But um, I've been buying that for 20 plus years. So there's plenty of sources out there. There's plenty of information out there. Um, yeah, it's great sources. Yeah, Kevin? I was just going to say there are definitely great sources on Twitter, uh, like uh, at Kevin Lacey 22. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of people that I follow, though, uh, I, I they're pretty global. Like Patrick Williams, for example, really does a great job of covering the American Hockey League. And, and then, you know, you do have the usual suspects like Darren Drager, Bob McKenzie and so on and so forth. Another really good way of uh, learning about other teams is grab a video game. Like, for me, this was the king. NHL 96, this game I played religiously when I was, like, 13 years old. And that's when I started learning about guys like Luke Robitaille and Essa Tikkanen and who the heck is Matthew Pekka? This guy keeps scoring on me, and he's annoying. And he was a really good, underrated, second-ish line forward. Um, so, you know, when you, when you start picking up these names, uh, uh I, for me, I found that to be a really, uh, easy way of, um, cause, cause then you, you at least hear the names and then when you see other people talk about them, then it's like, oh yeah, that guy. So I think that helps with your, your hockey vocab, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think definitely great points and the newest version of NHL. So if you pick it up on on your platform of choice, um, you can even play as as uh, European teams now. I think they've got uh, players from the CHL. So across all three leagues in the CHL. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's kind of where you want to pick your poison, so to speak, and what your media consumption of choice is. But um, definitely a lot of resources, and I mean, heck, you can always check out Teal Town USA because we've got our our prospects nailed down. So uh, yeah, always check it out uh, on our website too because we do go into the prospects. But getting back to the draft after that little uh, little uh, side uh, step there. Great question, though. Yeah, no, extremely. Um, number five with the San Jose Sharks pick, Ottawa Senators select Jake Sanderson. A defenseman from the National Development uh, Program, uh, a great program. A lot of good kids come out of there. Uh, six to 185 pounds, and I mean, for me, this was kind of the the sleeper, so to speak. That that I liked a lot. Um, I mean, he wasn't a sleeper, but within that first round and within that upper echelon. To me, he was kind of like the guy that that had the most volatility in where he would be drafted. Um, and to see him go this high, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see him and Shabbat on the blue line for Ottawa. Um, because you've got the, the pure offensiveness in Shabbat, but you've got a nice 
little two-way kind of um, player in Jake Sanderson. He's probably a little bit more tilted towards offense, but I think he's still got a pretty underrated defensive game as well. Mark, uh, what's your thoughts on, on pick number five? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I was a little surprised, not necessarily surprised that he went that high, but he was one of those guys I thought could go in a range of picks, not necessarily immediately at five. It was really a matter of whether a team wanted a defenseman, maybe a forward. Um, I think it's a good pick. He's, like you said, a two-way defenseman, not just all offense, but he's good to rush the puck up the ice and get involved in the offense while also playing responsible defense. Um, he can also throw some hits. Not a huge hitter, but he's just an all-around good player, so I think it's a great pick there at five. Yeah. Kevin? See, I, I, I have a different feeling about Jake Sanderson than okay. you guys. Uh, I actually think that he's the best defensive defenseman in this draft, okay. and I think that he has some offensive upside. He's definitely shown it at, at uh, you know, this this youth level so far, but I don't know if he has the offensive tools to really carry that to the professional game in 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 the likes of, like, what we hope Eric Carlson to be. I was going to just say Eric Carlson, but we'll, <laughs> what we hope he'll be. Because for me, Jamie Drysdale was the best oh. defenseman in this draft who goes at the very next pick, and we'll talk about that. Um, I, I think he's the most well-rounded. I think Sanderson is a top-pair defenseman for sure. Yeah. But I I think he's more in like the five to seven goal per season range but really solid uh, against the rush. So, and he's super mobile. So it's it's a good pick, but it's not what I would have done. Right, and and I think to me the 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 guy that comes to mind when I saw this pick was Justin Braun at the very beginning of there his go. at the very beginning of his career when we thought he was going to have a little bit more offensive upside than we thought. Yeah, but um, but very very. I would say his defensive game is underrated for Jake Sanderson. I, I think a lot of people saw that U18 performance and saw, oh, wow, you know, he can put up the points. But I think he's he's like a uh, at least a, a Justin Braun level two-way defenseman. So, um, yeah, no, great pick for, for Ottawa. And they're building quite a dynamic blue line back there. Well, look out. Um, but uh, as, as Kevin kind of teased out number six and I think that this was the steal of the draft and and I hate it because I do not like Anaheim I do not like the Ducks but and I they do this every year in the draft somehow and it's not like they do it it just falls well, into their lap it, every year guys exactly and that is Jamie Drysdale I mean this guy you, you talk about offensive dynamo um, probably the most gifted defenseman in in this draft, and and I don't know how they keep doing it, guys. But a a a team that has always drafted well defensively gets another one. I mean, Mark, is there any more to say about Jamie Drysdale? I'm Canadian out of out of Erie. Not really. Pure offense. Um, absolutely skilled. By far the best offensive defenseman in this draft. Um, so you'd think he's probably a steal at number six, which is crazy to say, but he really might be. <laughs> he's just that good. Yeah. Yeah. I, it just, I mean, 5'11", 175 pounds, he's going to grow into his frame for sure. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he hits six, one, uh, probably one ninety. Um, and, and, you know, he's going to be really mobile, but he's going to be, who would be a good comparable to Jamie for Jamie Drysdale? I would say somebody like 
Cam Fowler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cam Fowler. Um, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more towards like Dougie Hamilton, maybe. Um, that's kind of the guy that I have have thought, or or maybe a Quinn Hughes because I think his hands are as good as a Quinn Hughes. So. Yeah, no, Anaheim definitely got a steal there, and and it's like, god damn it, not another defenseman to Anaheim. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because look, I mean, look at their draft history. Cam Fowler fell to them at twelve. Uh, just keeping with the defenseman theme, because there are forwards in there too. But like Hampus Lindholm didn't fall, but they drafted him sixth overall in twenty twelve, and they had Shea Theodore, who did fall to them in twenty thirteen. Yep. Jakob Larson's a serviceable defenseman, but at that time, I was really high on him. I consider him falling to twenty seven. Uh, forward side, Sam. St- Sam Steele, I love that guy. He fell to them at 30. And even last year, Tra- Trevor Zegras, I thought, fell at them at 9. So, like, please, NHL teams, just stop this for my sanity. Because these are real, Drysdale's a really good player. And I, I, I was probably... He's not my favorite pick in this draft, but he kind of is just because I'm like, man, I feel like people don't know how good this kid's going to be at, at six. I think he is at six. Yeah. I think at six, he's, he's probably the best like bang for your buck. I think in the draft and in my opinion, but that, that that's me Um, going over to number seven, pick number seven from New Jersey, Alexander Holtz from Sweden. uh, And he's coming from the Jurgen program. Um, and very another very good, strong um, uh, Swedish elite league program. They've got uh, they've got a, a really good. Uh, I would say they they tend to to really work on their their two hundred foot game. I wouldn't say that they're like the most offensively uh, gifted team in the Swedish elite league, but but again, I think. They come from that Swedish school of hockey where it's really cover your own end first, and then the offense kind of comes with it. Um, six foot, one hundred and ninety-two pounds. He's going to be another another biggie, uh, and he plays right wing. Um, either of you guys have have too much thoughts on Alexander Holtz? Uh, I'll just say that uh, Holtz is a pure sniper. I, he was kind of the player for me. I didn't really know where to rank him because he does seem to be a little bit of a one-trick pony, in my opinion. Uh, but the guy is a pure sniper, and I, I don't think he compares to this player, but Patrick Laine was a one-trick pony who's a really good goal scorer in the NHL. So I think paired with Quinn Hughes or... And uh, also there's Nico Hishier who's there. Um, I think this is more of a pick. He's a, he's a talented player, but I think this is more of like we need a complementary straight offensive piece to go with either Hughes or Hishier. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think of him just as a sniper, a shooter, and he's already playing against men over in Sweden. So he's contributing there, obviously, at a good level for someone his age. Um, I'm not sure how far away he is from the nhl but he'll fit in nicely with those other two in new jersey so they got a good player in him yeah yeah no i i definitely great points uh going over to that eighth pick owned by the buffalo sabers and boy talk about a team that has been just totally gutted and and remade in the offseason and so far as that front office they go with the other quinn brother jack quinn and uh 
you know, six foot uh, right ringer uh, out of Ottawa. Uh, he's a 67. And I, I mean, a good pick for, for them. Um, they needed some help on the wings. Although it is a little interesting. I thought that they might go Cole Perfetti there at that pick. But Jack Quinn, I think, is also is also a good player. Um, I mean, you got, were you guys at all kind of uh, surprised at at where Quinn ended up, or think think he might kind of went where where he should have? Let's go ahead with you, Mark. Maybe a few, maybe a few picks early, um, but I think he's kind of right in that range. Um, scored fifty goals in sixty something games, pretty much in juniors, and um, he's just a pretty dynamic player. So I think he couldn't really go wrong with him there. Um, yeah, I can't really say what I think he went too far. Maybe a couple picks. Yeah, I'm with Mark on that. I, I have him 12th on my list. Uh, and it's more because my I really like my top 11. So I, I, I just couldn't rate him higher. Right. Uh, I, I think it's a fine pick. I Like you mentioned, Eric, I had Cole Perfetti higher. Uh, he was my highest available at that time. Uh, I got a little thrown for a loop because when they announced Ottawa 67s, I was like, Marco Rossi. Uh, wait, wait, what did they, what did they just say? <laughs> so that kind of messed me up there. But uh, Marco Rossi went next pick. So yeah, no, his teammate, his teammate Marco Rossi went uh, the the next pick, and I believe he's from is that Austria? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, originally. Yeah, so an Austrian player, uh, but he again, he's coming out of the OHL uh, Ottawa 67s. Um and and you know, I think again, kind of a little bit of an off the board pick, not I mean not off the board, but just a little surprising to me where he ended up again, you know, you look at Minnesota's organizational needs, centers to me is what screamed there, but um you know, they went with the with a little bit of an undersized guy. Um, 5'9", 183 pounds, plays a little bit above his weight class from what I've heard, um, likes to throw around the body a little. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he kind of ends up um, in the West, especially because of the bigger forwards we have out in the West. But, um, yeah, I, I think kind of right and around in that spot is, is kind of where everybody had him. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the same range. Um, this is the area where you start getting those guys who flip in a three, four, five pick range. And I think he just shows another example of what the new NHL is all about. People aren't scared of size. And I know he plays bigger than his height, but forward who's, what, 5'9", I think it is five for him? Yeah. Um, yep. People aren't scared of taking him in the top 10, whereas who knows what, where he would have fallen maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Well, Going into that tenth pick, and and to me this is the second steal of the draft. Um, you know, Winnipeg comes up with with a great pick here. Uh, Cole Perfetti, um, he's out of uh, Saginaw, and uh, again, just an offensive dynamo center, uh, 5'10", 177 pounds. So he's a little slight of frame, but again, I mean, we're, we're talking about 17, 18 year old kids, so he's going to grow into it a little bit. Um, and, and they're going to have a, they're going to have a nice playmaker there. Um, and, uh, you know, he's going to take a little bit of seasoning, but uh, again, for me, it's the second best, you know, bang for your buck pick at, at that position. Um, Kevin, your thoughts on Cole Perfetti at 10? 
Yeah, uh, Cole Perfetti uh, is a really talented player. Uh, to to me, the thing that stands out was Chris B- Craig But Button's assessment that uh, his hockey sense is a six out of five. Which, when I read that, I thought there was a typo, and then I realized <laughs> that was legitimately he wrote six out of five. Uh, Cole Perfetti's just he, he's a nice he's a nice player. I mean, I think it's a good value pick at ten for one because I did have him sixth on my list. Uh, the, there is a little question that I have in the sense of I was talking earlier tonight with uh, one of the Saginaw season ticket holders, and he's he kind of denounced the scouting report because the scouting report is Perfetti uh, likes to create space for him, digs in deep, uh, just a very very adjust like he he uh, knows how to adjust his play to the situation, kind of, and then. Uh, the person I was speaking with said he never digs in deep. He always shies away from physicality. He's a soft player. So I, I, that kind of threw me for a loop. But uh, do you like Cole Perfetti? I mean, everything I've seen about him and read about him sounds great. Um, yeah. But what you just said shows how much scouting is interesting in hockey. You know, you get different <laughs> opinions across the board. You have one person who thinks he's the next star and then another person who's like, yeah, maybe he'll be a second liner. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> great to see those different opinions when it comes to scouting and i love looking back years later to see who was right and who was wrong yeah for sure i mean i think we all kind of agree it's the dark art of the nhl the scouting um you know because you've got to take a flyer on an 18 year old kid and and that's got to be the biggest uh you know it, it's the biggest gamble that a lot of these these um excuse me a lot of these uh, executives have to make in their careers and it's kind of hard to track out how an 18-year-old player will be. And, you know, you're not tracking him for the next year, but you're tracking him like three, four, five years out. And especially with this next pick, a goaltender, that's the darkest of black hearts. <laughs> the goaltending scouting and, you know, just how you you analyze a goaltender um, at 18 years old is just incredible. And, you know... I guess Nashville is feeling the goalie because at number 11, they take Yaroslav Askarov, 6'3", 176 pounds out of Neva, St. Petersburg. Oh, boy. Um, The top-ranked goaltender, righty. He's got an amazing right-hand glove. It's, it's, uh, you know, they're drawing comparisons to Marc-Andre Fleury is is who they, um, you know, have, have kind of... Uh, teased out his stylistic, you know, similar to, um, and I think the hi- one of the highest uh, goaltender picks since uh, Spencer Knight, I believe. Yeah, last year. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Askarov. Um, what are, What are your thoughts on him, Mark? And um, you know, when do you think he's going to be an impact player? Um, he's definitely a few years away. I think I read that he has two years left with his current team, even in the KHL, but. I, yeah, I'm always mixed on picking goalies in the first round, personally. Um, I know people always like to compare to Carey Price or this guy or that guy who actually was a stud in the NHL. But just as often, you find goalies in later rounds or even just as signings who are just as good in the NHL. So it's just you're in the part of the draft where you're looking for a guy who's going to be an impact player on your team and someone who is kind of a guarantee to be a top-level player. And... Not saying that this goalie will not be great, but I feel like you may have a better chance of getting an equivalent talent in goal years down the line after they've developed 
um, versus taking a chance on an 18-year-old goalie. Now, that being said, this guy apparently has some of the best stuff they've seen from a goalie in years coming into the draft. So, who knows? Maybe he will be the next Carey Price or Marc-Andre Fleury. Or maybe another goaltender that he can draw inspiration from within his own organization's Pecorino. Um, mm-hmm. you know, another big, I mean, this is a guy, I mean, he's 6'3". I mean, and so he's a monster in net and, and really could could take some um, schooling from the Pecorino school of goaltending for sure. Uh, Kevin, anything to add on, on the goalie at 10? Or 11, no, I think. Well, I do have something to add, but I thought Mark's assessment was perfect. Like, I could not add anything uh, more about drafting goalies and and Askarov's talent level. I think that's great. For me, um, I was really expecting a trade to announce at this point because I thought you you have a team like Chicago, you have a team like Edmonton. Neither of those teams have really any goaltending in the pipeline, and I thought they might battle it out in this range to try and move up and get Eskarov. Uh, I, I, I think where he was picked is fine. Who knows what went on behind the scenes because uh, something may have just not worked out. Um, but uh, you have Carolina in the mix there that I, I didn't think Carolina really needed to add any have any big needs in one position. So I thought they might just take him just because. Um, so I I would love to have been a fly on the wall for any talks about trying to move up to get Askarov, but didn't happen. He goes to Nashville. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the future of goaltending here. And like you said, in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So in a couple of years, I think just, just for everybody's uh, information, uh, two years left on his deal um, with uh, St. Petersburg uh, in the, in the K and then um I would assume we're going to we're going to have maybe one to two years more of development slash maybe picking up a few games here and there at the NHL level. But I don't think we'll really start to see an impact for at least four to five years. Um, That's kind of for me, the kind of where we can start to see superstar goaltenders emerge, because quite frankly, I mean, their prime starts 28, 29, 30 and, and, you know, for me, that's kind of like peak goaltender age. So, you know, a, he's he's a young he's a young kid. So it'll be interesting to see how they bring him along. Um, but again, it's Nashville. They know how to how to bring up the goaltenders. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's it's very interesting pick there. Um, I could have seen him going at nine to Minnesota because Minnesota's yeah. goaltending depth is just horrid. So I, I thought, well, maybe he, he might be able to to be slotted in there. But, yeah, Nashville got a good one for sure. I so, think they have enough faith in Capo Kakonen. I do, too. I think he's a really good goalie. I think he's the reason that Minnesota didn't go with Escarov at nine. Because outside of Kakonen, like you said, they've got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very dry cupboard there on the goaltending floor, uh, front for, for Minnesota. But, you know. It's it. They went in their direction, and and you know Nashville got a good one. So at the end of the day, they they will uh, will see where where Askarov kind of ends up going, uh, insofar as development wise. So I'm just gonna run through. I think outside of the top ten and, and the goaltender, I think I'm just gonna run through all of the picks till we get to the Sharks pick. If you guys have anything that stands out, let me know while I'm going through this. Uh, on uh, Anton Lundell. Uh, from Finland, the HIFK, 
uh, goes to uh, the Florida Panthers at pick number 12. Uh, pick number 13, um, Seth Jarvis goes to Carolina. He is a center. Uh, WHL from Portland Winterhawks. Awesome. awesome yeah, awesome pick for sure. Um, Dylan Holloway at number 14 for the Oilers. He's also a center, uh, six foot, 203 pounds from Wisconsin. Uh, that's a, that's a decent pick there. Um, kind of shoring up, I think middle six for, for Edmonton, especially if they have to get rid of Nuge or, you know, they, they have, um, you know, some expiring contracts and need some of that middle six depth. So a good pickup for, for, uh, the Oilers for sure, uh, Rodion Amarov, uh, left winger from Russia, six foot, hundred seventy-seven. Um, he is currently a free agent uh, in the in the KHL. Um, he goes to uh, Toronto at uh, number fifteen. Uh, kind of an interesting pick there. Them going with the Russian. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, he's actually a guy I kind of had the Sharks possibly in their range, um, late first round, early second round. Um, but I know a lot of some of the people had him rated a bit higher, a lot of skill. Um, I'm not terribly surprised by it, um, I guess, where he went. But then again, Toronto, what are you going to do? Yeah, Toronto's <laughs> going to Toronto, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that uh, that was an interesting pick, uh, but I'm trying to think. I know that Toronto now has Ilya Mikheyev, and I thought they had one other Russian player. Uh, Mikhail Abramov, perhaps? I'm trying yeah, to remember. I think it was Abramov. Yeah, they have, so they've been going to Russia for their picks recently. Well, Mikheyev's a free agent, but... Uh, so that part of it's not so surprising. Just really quickly regarding Lundell and Jarvis, uh, those were the next two picks, and those were the two highest picks I had left. Uh, I think Lundell really could be like an Andre Kopitar type player. He was rated really high last year going into the 1920 season. Uh, he fell down the rankings, but he's a guy that I've been looking at here this last week and going, He's a pretty good player. And then Seth Jarvis. I just love that guy. So another great player for Carolina uh, in their system. I think he's kind of like a like Joe Pavelski, but I think he's got a little bit better hands. I don't think he's anything truly stands out about him, but he's just a solid hockey player. So, Yeah. No, I mean, and, and that was, I think, the overall consensus of this draft is we're looking at a 2015-level depth uh, you know, yeah. a breadth at, at at all of the the picks. So so very. Um, you know, it, it, anybody who's probably within the top twenty is going to get a surefire prospect, for sure. Um, Montreal uh, clocking in at number sixteen gets Caden Goulet, uh, defenseman out of Canada, six two hundred and eighty six pounds uh, from the WHL Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, Lukas Reichel. Uh, from Germany, uh, Essa Baron Berlin, uh, six foot 170, uh, goes to Chicago Blackhawks at the 17th pick. Uh, Dawson Mercer goes 18th to New Jersey Devils, Canadian, six foot 180 from the Q from Chicoutimi. Uh, Brandon Schneider, uh, defenseman from Canada from Brandon Wheat Kings, goes to the New York Rangers at the 19th pick, and that is their second pick of the draft. So uh, defenseman to go along with the forward. Number 20 belongs to the New Jersey Devils. It's Shakir 
Mukhamadulin from Hey, Russia? you did a really Not good that. job on that. Mukhamadulin. Yeah, 6'4", 178 pounds. Uh, this kid, I mean, yeah, talk about another big freak in nature. He's going to probably clock in at 6'6", 190. I mean, this is this kid's going to be another really well-built. Um, you know, maybe a guy, a comparable I like is uh, Jamie Alexiak off of Dallas. Um, you know, a, a big kid, um, can skate well, gets a good first pass. Maybe not the most offensively gifted player, but really solid two-way uh, defenseman there. Um, but, yeah, that was a comparable that I could pick. Um, number 21, Columbus Blue Jackets. It's Ye uh, Igor Chinkov. Chin Chin Chinnikov, uh, Russian, six foot, one hundred and seventy eight pounds uh, from uh, OMSK. Uh, did I get that right, Kevin? Uh, you close. You got closer than uh, than Bob McKenzie. You kept calling him Chinnikov, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was good. That was okay, good. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, you mentioned Dawson Mercer real quick. Yeah. I actually. I had him higher than Lundell and uh, Seth Jarvis. I just keep forgetting that because I can't believe he fell all the way to 18. Uh, I had him at nine, and I realized that might be a little bit high. I'm curious to hear, Mark, if you have any thoughts on Dawson Mercer, because for me, he was the most underrated middle round talent. And so that's why I had him so high. I actually think he could be like a Patrice Bergeron uh, level player. I think he's, I think that highly of him. Yeah. Good two way player. Um, I didn't necessarily have a specific number for his ranking. Um, I thought he'd go mid round. So maybe in that range. Um, but, um, I've seen some comparisons to Wayne Simmons, but I feel like Wayne Simmons might be a little bit more physical than him, yeah. but yeah, the, uh, definitely a good two way player with some offensive punch. Yeah. Uh, pick number 22 belongs to the Washington Capitals. They pick Hendrix Lapierre, uh, six foot, 179 pound center out of Shakutami. Um, again, somebody that, uh, you know, we got a few comments. Uh, Dan, the research man, um, kind of chiming in on the injury history uh, with, with the head um, and, and concussion spells. It's, uh, you know, I think, da oh, sorry, Dan. You know what? You are a Flyers fan, and you brought up the Nolan Patrick comparable. I think that was a good comparable. Dizzy Logic is the uh, is the Washington fan and brought up the head injury. So sorry, guys, but um, yeah, no, I, I totally think that uh, Nolan Patrick is also a good um, a good comparable as far as you know what kind of player he is as well. Um, center six foot, one hundred and eighty pounds. So it, you know, similar build style. Um, you know, kind of a kind of a playmaking forward. Got a little bit more of a scoring touch, though. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think interesting pick. But at the twenty-two level, you're going to take some flyers on people. So definitely a guy that you know can punch above his weight class if he's healthy. Guys, I, I two things about Hendrix Lapierre here for Washington. One is that Washington, I think, has so many talented forwards that they can afford to take a gamble on LaPierre. And if injuries overtake his career, that's very sad. But I think Washington will get by without, with or without him. Yeah. Um, the other thing was just because I knew about his three concussions in 
10 months or whatever it was. I didn't realize there were two within the same month. And then like the more Bob McKenzie was talking about his uh, injury profile after the three concussions, you know, that clip of Will Farrell where he's like, yeah, like, Oh, my, Oh, and that was my reaction. Just listening to the laundry list of injuries and, and these doctors rep- medical reports coming out like, Oh, this is just getting worse and worse and worse. Oh, Oh God. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. This guy's had a tough time. Um, I do think the team can weirdly released a statement saying that two of his injuries weren't concussions that were previously thought to be concussions, though. I thought they said that suddenly that they were like actually neck injuries. So there was like some sort of weird controversy there as to what can, what injuries he actually had. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Rourke Chartier's had a neck injury. Too. Yeah, R- <laughs> Chartier. That's kind of who I think as a Sharks comparable to, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Tyson Forrester goes number 23 overall to Philadelphia, right winger, 6'2, 194 pounds from uh, Barry, uh, Barry Colts. Uh, number 24 belongs to the Calgary Flames, Connor Zari, uh, Canadian, 6'178 pounds from Kamloops Blazers. Uh, Justin Barron, the 25th pick overall to the Avalanche defenseman out of the uh, out of the queue, Halifax uh, Mooseheads. We've got Jake Neighbors, 26, left winger, six foot, 195 pounds. That is a big boy <laughs> out of Edmonton. Um, uh, Jacob Perot, uh, right winger, 5'11", 192 pounds from the Starnia Sting to the Ducks at 27. The 28th pick overall, this is <laughs> Ottawa's third pick in the first round, uh, Ridley Grieg, Canadian, 5'11", 163 pounds, a little bit on the smaller side, uh, Brandon Wilkins. Can, can I jump in about Go. Ridley Greg? Greg. All right. So... <laughs> Uh, these were all fine picks, but you know, it was at this point that I audibly said at my TV, Ridley Gregg is still on the board. (laughs) This might happen. (laughs) So you can blame me for it not happening because Ottawa took him at the very next pick as I started to get really excited because I, I think Ridley Gregg could be just a pain in the ass. Brendan Gallagher kind of talented gritty right wing small right wing forward and i think that's what the sharks need maybe they they need some grit and some talent because the sh- i feel like the sharks system is inundated with smallish wingers who aren't hard to play against they need and a shit stir I, I think is where yeah, kevin they did so <laughs> that's where kevin's coming like, from <laughs> and then for for ottawa to own the sharks what was the Sharks' third overall pick and to get Tim Stutzla and to now take the guy that I wanted the Sharks to get at 31. Man, the Senators are just a pain in my ass the way Ridley Gregg is going to be a pain in the Maple Leafs' ass for years to come. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, rounding out uh, the last three picks, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights select at 29, Brandon Brinson, center from Chicago Steel, I believe, USHL. Um, and then at 30, Dallas picks Marvrick Bork. Uh, Maverick. 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 Bork. Yep. 5'10", 178 pounds from Shawinigan. And then 
for the Sharks pick, 31st overall, Ozzy Weisblatt, right wing Canadian from the Prince Albert Raiders. Okay, guys, we are on the clock with the Sharks pick. What? Do oh, the we... pick is in. The pick. I is... The pick is in. <laughs> what do we think about Ozzy Weisblatt? I know that the that the Sharks. Uh, uh, Doug Wilson Jr. did a nice gesture for the family for for Ozzy and his mom, um, but uh, yeah, what do we think about the player himself? Um, I think it's a good pick. I did not expect him to go here, and I think it's kind of just your classic Sharks pick sometimes, where we're just like, who? And it's more like, okay, he probably should have gone a little bit lower, but we also know the Sharks, they pick their guys, they love their guys, and then they go and get them. So... He's a skilled forward. He's quick. Great hands, apparently. A little small, but um, we'll see. Could be a good addition to the team. Um, he had a pretty good year in juniors with Prince Albert, and I believe he had pretty much a point per game there. Um, but, yeah, I'm okay with the pick. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I am also uh, happy with the pick as well. Kind of in the mold of a Kevin LeBanc, if you take a look at his stats, very much more a playmaker than uh, – than a, than a pure sniper at this point, and then uh, being on the right wing, of course, um, you know Kevin. Kevin also plays right wing, an area of organizational need for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, if we take a look at his at his stats, um, he graduated to the WHL in the seventeen eighteen season from the a, uh, AMHL. Um, so it was good to see him in his progression. You can you can definitely see that the kid is growing. In his first year, his first full year with the Raiders, uh, sixty four games, thirty nine um, points. That's fifteen goals, twenty four assists. And then his second full year in the WHL, uh, sixty four games, twenty five goals, forty five assists for seventy points. Um, again, much more of a of a playmaking right winger uh but again i think it addresses an organizational need for sure um let's see let's take a look at his vitals here 510 183 pounds so i think maybe he's got a little bit more um a little bit more meat on his bones than kevin did when he was selected there um and i think he'll probably end up rounding out six foot and I would say his, his weight's going to stay relatively similar, probably 185, 190 pounds. Um, but, yeah, definitely a forward that um, will mix it up a little bit. I mean, he's got he's got some uh, penalty minutes, uh, 36 PIMS. Um, you know, a guy who uh, does well in the playoffs his first full year when Prince Albert did go to the playoffs, uh, that he had 10 points in 23 games. So uh, another kind of uh, indicator that the Sharks kind of like to go for. Because if we, if we take a look at, at the way that the Sharks draft, they normally look for – very high skill, uh, high IQ guys. That's kind of where they they tend uh, to pick the more high IQ guys over the high skill guys, um, and then also kind of a little bit, little bit of sandpaper intangibles. They like to see some of that too um, in their drafting profiles. So, so again, a little bit off the board, but I mean, at that pick, it's almost like a to me, it's a second rounder, and and you can do a lot of different things there. Um, I mean, Nikolai Goldobin, for instance, was a guy that was taken, I believe, 
third, 29th or 30th overall? 27. So yeah, that, you know, Doug tends to kind of swing for the fences there in those, in the later picks in the later rounds, uh, or excuse me, later picks in the first round. Um, I mean, I think Nick Petrecki went in a similar, uh, you know, in a similar position way back when, um, and again, another kind of uh, high upside, but it's high boomer bust, basically, is, is the kind of picks there. Um, although I think that Ozzy is probably a little bit more of a known commodity than the Sharks have picked in that position before. Kevin? Paper, but I think Maverick worked kind of a Ridley Gregg without the physicality, and then he went to the Stars one pick Sharks. So when I look at at Ozzy's um, scouting report, I kind of see similarities to Maverick Bork. So in that respect, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, I I think that Ozzy Wiesblatt is just a kind of a Swiss Army knife player. He can do a lot on the ice. The Sharks have a monstrous history of gunning for a player, and this is the guy we want, and we're not going to stray the course. So I, I think the Sharks have known for a while this is the player that they want. Because I know someone uh, way, way earlier in the chat said, why didn't the Sharks just take him at 33 tomorrow? You, you could have. You probably could have. But if Wiesplat is the one that you want, doesn't matter. Like the player that you probably could have drafted tonight at 29 is probably, or at 31 is probably, sorry, I said 33. I meant 34. Uh, the guy who you would take at 31, you probably can get him at 34 tomorrow. So I don't really think it's a reach. Uh, I was trying to find the rankings. I know Bob McKenzie had it ranked 40th. Future Considerations had him ranked, I lost it, uh, 40th, also 40th. So um, it is a little bit higher, but as as we've talked about throughout the night, um, after pick 15 or so, it's just depth. Like, there are good picks to be had for a while. You're not really going to see a rise or a drop-off in these picks for a little while. Probably not until the middle of the second round. So, good pick by the Sharks. I, I was also impressed with Doug Wilson Jr.'s flow tonight, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, you, uh, oh, just Sorry, just a few other rankings ahead, um, that I had listed for him. Um, the Hockey News draft preview had him at 73. Um, okay. Corey Pronman had him at 33, Corey Pronman of The Athletic, and then Chris Peters of ESPN had him at 40. <laughs> Three had him at 40. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think averaging those out, what it averages out to 70, 33, and 40. So we're looking at like 52 is kind of if you average all of those out. So, yeah, I, I think, again, like we said, the Sharks tend to hone in on their guys, and it's, you know, all we got to think back to is Miko Rantanen versus Timo Meyer, right? I mean, you know, they, they, they hone in on their guys, and they pick their guys, and, and it doesn't necessarily jibe with the rest of, rest of the hockey world's kind of consensus, but, I mean, that's kind of always been the Sharks' style, so 
you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, again, it was, in, in from my perspective, you're addressing the organizational need. And, um, you know, that right wing was re- really thin to begin with. So good to see that. Um, again, uh, it's it's a it's a decent pick for where they were at. And uh, we'll see where they what they end up doing tomorrow with pick number 34. But I think, um, guys, we're going to we're going to quickly go over the trades that went, uh, you know, went down in the in the last week. Um, you know, we'll when we're going to try and jet out of here after an hour and 15. So um Today, we had uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, trading for forward Josh Anderson in return for Max Domi and a third round 2020 pick. So that is the third round this year. Uh, Immediate impressions from my end. Josh Anderson, to me, is a guy who's got potential. It's uh, definitely got a question about the injury though um and a guy that can slot very nicely in the middle six um and as far as uh you know that that's from the uh, montreal side from the columbus perspective you get max domi who i mean this guy is you know is cut from a similar cloth you know as far as having that piss and vinegar in his game from his dad um you know a player that is just hard to play against um but got got some scoring touch for sure you know more so than his father did and um you know a guy i think that that can really uh slot in at the top on your top line and and provide a a sandpaper grit but scoring touch and um I, i think the the columbus blue jackets did really well and 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 did well by also getting the pick as well to me columbus still would have won the trade if that pick was a fourth round or a fifth rounder you know just them getting it getting an extra pick thrown in i think is what sweetens the deal for me from the columbus perspective um and in montreal i'm just wondering why wasn't it a one for one you know because there there are question marks on both sides but, uh, you know, Josh Anderson, I think, has the bigger question mark with health. Kevin, quick thoughts on, on that. 100%. Uh, what I find so amusing, and it, this is pretty typical for Montreal fans. If there are any of you Montreal fans out there, I apologize. But Montreal fans hate on all of their players until they're gone. They could not wait to get rid of Max Domi for the last two years. And now that they've traded him to Columbus, it's, oh, what are we doing trading Max Domi for Josh? I really like Josh Anderson, like you said. I think he's just a, he's a solid power forward. Uh, I didn't like his his holdout that he had a couple of years ago because, for me, he was still really unproven and shouldn't be holding out. Um, the biggest question is uh, the injury, of course. He... He played with basically one shoulder for the last year and a half, so he had to get the surgery. When you look at him with one goal in 26 games, uh, yeah, he was hurt. So I, I do think he's great. The I found a tweet. I was looking for who wrote it, and I can't find it, so I apologize to this person. But he said, is Josh Anderson the next Brad Isbister? And I was like, oh, that's cold. But for those of you who don't know who Brad Isbister was, he was a really good player for the Oilers, or prospect-ish player for the Oilers and the Islanders. And then injuries just took his career down. He was a power forward just like Josh Anderson, and injuries just killed his career. 
Um, so that is a scary comparison. And but it's not the end of the world for Montreal. But wow, uh, Columbus got a third round pick out of it. Also <laughs> good for them. Yeah, for sure. Mark, uh, thoughts on the goalie? All right, yeah, excuse, not, excuse me, on Josh Anderson, the swap. <laughs> why, I don't know why yeah, pretty cool. much in the same boat as you guys. I don't really understand the extra piece in there. I know some people don't look at third-rounders as a huge deal, but that's still a valuable pick, and looked like it could have been an easy one-for-one swap. It was both guys who might have needed a change of scenery, and they're both kind of, at best, high-end middle six forwards, at worst, serviceable middle six forwards. So I just... I don't really understand um, Montreal's thinking here. We obviously never know what goes on in the back rooms and the discussions that are had and what kind of things have been vocalized there. But I, I'm just questioning the extra pick being thrown in. I just don't get it. Yeah. No, I think I think that one had us all kind of scratching our heads and and a comparable. I think maybe maybe CBJ saw the Nathan Horton writing all over the walls, um, <laughs> you know, on Josh Anderson, another guy whose whose injuries just cut his career short and um, power forward, a very very good player. So, um, and and somebody that they were intimately familiar with, right? I mean, he he signed at, uh, from Boston um, to CBJ, and and unfortunately, you know, just couldn't um, you know couldn't play out that contract. So. You know, uh, you get a known commodity in, in Max Domi, and then, um, you know, you're able to ship out a question mark in, in, in um, excuse me, in uh, Josh Anderson. So, yeah, good good on good on Columbus. And, uh, yeah, to me, they're the winners of this trade. But it'll, it, it will be interesting to see how it pans out a little bit later. Okay, so I've been teasing this out. We've all been teasing this out. This is, uh, you know, the the two sharks trades coming in October fifth, um, just yesterday. Um, the sharks acquire Devin Dubnik uh, for the uh, from the Minnesota Wild for a fifth round pick. Um, the sharks also uh, are given a seventh round pick in the deal, so it's Devin Dubnik and a seventh round pick for a fifth round pick. Uh, basically, trading two rounds. Uh, Trading two rounds down for Devin Dubnik, who's got one year left. They did retain half the salary there. I believe it clocks in at 2.5 mil against the cap. Uh, so uh, Devin Dubnik was a guy who had some personal issues last year. Um, I think it was in and around his family. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, a guy that... Uh, maybe a change of scenery could really help him. He's a guy that that's proven that he can handle a large workload. So if Martin Jones does go off the rails in this coming year, which I hope he doesn't, I hope that this extended, you know, time off and, and the time working with Nabby has really helped. But there is a semi-proven commodity in Devin Dubnik. Now, the other way that this could break is they could both be really bad. You know what I mean? He could have a repeat of, of this last year from Minnesota. Um, and then, of course, we're stuck with, I mean, we're only stuck with him for another year, but you're stuck with a subpar goalie backing up a subpar goalie. So it could really work in the Sharks' favor, but I think it also has a potential to really blow up in their faces. Guys, I mean, at face value, what what are you thinking on this? And and do you like the Devin Dubnik ad, um, Kevin? 
I'm fine with it, guys. Uh, I think we're going to end up being in disagreement over this, I think. But we'll see. Uh, but I, I do like this trade because I don't think it costs the Sharks really anything. Just they dropped down two rounds in the draft in 2022. Not not concerned about that. And it's, it's not like a first to a third. It's a fifth to a seven. And as we'll find out tomorrow, Doug Wilson's probably going to make four or five more trades and somehow work a fifth into three fourths who knows but he finds a way so I, I'm, and, I'm and they have good I, success in the seventh round in the yep. you know into the the just the overall so maybe yeah. the the lucky number seven is is you know dw's friend there there you go and i think that bill garen kind of hurt the the value so to speak of devin dubnik by coming out as soon as minnesota was eliminated from the uh qualifier and saying we didn't get good goaltending out of any of these guys this year wow well sure here here we'll we'll take him from you kind yeah of wait like, devin, way to sell a declining asset right <laughs> yeah yeah and devin dubnik's not going to win a vezina trophy uh but for me i He's in a backup or a 1A, 1B situation. Uh, I'm fine with it. Minnesota ate half of his cap value, so the Sharks are only paying his true cost for next year. It's fine for me. What about you, Mark? Um, To your surprise, we're actually in agreement. Um, Oh, I thought we were. Okay, all right. No. (laughs) I think actually I was the one with the biggest beef on, uh, on it, and... Really, I mean, it's not even really that big of a beef. It's just a guy who who needs to to bounce back, but has question marks. So, yeah, I'm actually in favor of this trade. I was scared um, at first with the rumors because I think that Wild, a Minnesota Wild reporter, was saying there might even be a high pick involved, which yeah. terrified me because I was like, well, if anything, I feel like we should almost be giving something back to take this contract, <laughs> which on. is what happened. Yeah. So we um, got a seventh round pick, which for the Sharks actually is probably like a second round pick with how much success we've had there, like you guys said. And we're getting a goalie who, if you look at it, he's really only going to be paid about, what, 200K more than Aaron Dell was last year. Yeah. And consider the alternative. If we sign a free agent over this offseason, we we're going to have to give him two, three, four years, which is not what we want right now because we have Melnichuk, who's going to be coming over, probably needs a season or two in the AHL. So we bring in a guy who... If we don't like him, it's one year. We pay him $2 million, which is a very reasonable amount. And then we part ways. Um, and our goalie develops in the, in the AHL. And then we go from there. Um, I think with the condensed schedule as well, this coming season is probably going to be a lot of back-to-backs. So him and Jones probably splitting duties more than a you know just a one guy playing 70, 60, maybe even 55 games. So... Um, I think once again, Wilson just proved that he's a master of trades. Now, once again, we're not getting a huge like piece here, but it's just all these moves that Wilson makes. I feel like he always kind of comes out ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, at least I, I'd be happy with like a nine, 12, nine, 15 safe percentage kind of year with, you know, 35 games played. Um, That'd be for- the goaltending we've had the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, I think if that if we could get that kind of level of goaltending, um, it might be just enough to kick Jones in the pants to you know get his game back on. So, we'll see. Uh, definitely a little bit of a gamble, but the price was right in my opinion, and uh, you know you're able to solve the need without having to spend free agent monies, and you know. And- we- 
and he's a, Devin Dubnik's a really likable person, like really likable human being. I've never heard a bad thing said about him. And he's already rebuilt his career once. So, again, just because I think of his age and how long he's been in the league at this point, um, we'll see if he can rebuild it a second time. But, I mean, he's not the dumpster fire that he was when Edmonton got rid of him and he got waved to Nashville and waved to Montreal and all this stuff. And then Mitch Korn rebuilt him back up. So I definitely think he has the mentality to get himself back into number one contention for the Sharks. And then uh, the second piece to this trade, it was rumored to be one just large trade, and then we got it, got the word that it was going to be broken out into two pieces. The second piece is the Sharks acquiring Ryan Donato for a third-round pick from the Minnesota Wilds. Ryan Donato, of course, uh, coming up with the Boston Bruins, then traded to the Minnesota Wild. Um, a guy to me, and and it and to me it kind of works out nicely, but. For me, number one, Logan Couture. Number two, Tomas Hurdle. Number three, Ryan Donato. Number four, Joel Shellman. And I think uh, for me, um, you know, you're just giving, uh, you know, a, a guy, because I really like Joel Shellman's game. I felt that, um, you know, he, we could see the development kind of in front of our eyes with him when it was game to game with him. But, uh, you know, just kind of giving him a little bit of backup just in case he can't handle that third, uh, third line center duty. Um, you know, that, that of course being, if, if Jumbo doesn't return, um, you know, if Jumbo does return playing that third, you know, that third line center position, um, Donato can slot, slot in on one of the wings. Um, but to me, showing up that center depth, which is kind of where I had, uh, earmarked, uh, you know, some, some question marks there for me. Um, and, and you know, a, a guy that, that only costs a third round pick in 2022. So, to me, it's he's a, a, a an asset that we could uh, develop even further. Kind of got buried on the depth chart in Minnesota a little bit, um, and I think he's going to get a shot to really show what he can do. I mean, um, you know, is he going to be a top six forward or is he just going to be a middle six forward? I think this is going to be the year that will really kind of solidify where exactly. Um, you know, where exactly he's going to kind of develop forward, um, you know, going forward. Um, guys, I mean, your thoughts on it, Mark, Ryan, and Otto? Um, another trade that I think was good for us. We need some affordable depth, and we get a 24-year-old who has capability of scoring 20 goals. He hasn't done it at the NHL level yet, but he's had some very good spurts where he's looked like a top-six forward. Um, I obviously like anyone who comes from Boston area having some ties there, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a good move. You, you get rid of a third round pick where the sharks historically have actually been pretty terrible, but you get rid of a third round pick and you're getting a guy who can step into the lineup right now. The sharks need some of that forward depth. He can probably slot into our third or second line and hopefully get some power play minutes, maybe on the second unit. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in next year and scores 20 goals. And that's exactly what the Sharks need. We need some more guys who can do that. So Wilson gives up a third-round pick, gets a potential 20-goal scorer who's only 24 at $1.9 million, I believe it is, for next year. So that's a win for me. Yeah. Kevin? I'm totally going seven degrees of sec sec uh, Kevin Bacon on this. Um, all right. So first off, I'm fine with this trade absolutely 100 percent. the sharks need depth on the wings ryan donato was a 
beast in the Olympics in 2018 for Team USA as as a very young player. Um, he fell on hard times in Minnesota. I think he can definitely rebound. He was taken in the second round by um, I don't think it was Minnesota, wasn't it Boston? Boston. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. In 2014, he was drafted as a second round pick. You know who the Sharks' third round pick was in 2014? That was Dylan Sadaway. We know where he is right now. Nowhere. Not to be found. The Sharks traded Dylan Sadaway for another third round pick. That but that pick, by the way, turned into Max Latunov, who uh, re-signed with the Sharks yesterday, by the way. So, but just think about this. The Sharks traded a third round pick to acquire Ryan Sad Ryan Donato. But they also, they traded a third or they got a third round pick for Dylan Sadaway. I'd call that net gains. <laughs> like obviously the years are all separated there, but I'd call it net gains. I'm very happy with Doug Wilson's performance on this trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know the Sharks have the extensive records that they keep on um, on draftees. And you know I'm sure that they had his his draft profile kind of picked up when they heard you know, he was available. So again, you know, you're getting a forward. He's uh, 24, I believe, you know, a, a very nice young player and, and a guy, again, I think he can, um, you know, turn in like a, a 20, 30, 50 kind of season, um, you know, where 20 goals, 30 assists, 50 points. Um, I could even see that, you know, flip flop where it's 25, 25, 50. Um, but I, you know, again, it, it's a, I think a very good value for for you know what the asset that they gave up, and again, it doesn't cost us this year's draft. So that's what I'm happy with. Um, you know, I, again, I think the Sharks still have some work to do in free agency. That those those wings look awfully bare to me, um, and and I think the forward depth is 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 definitely what's going to need to be addressed uh, going forward. But, uh, but gentlemen, I mean, I think that that's it from my end. Um, you guys want to kind of uh, take us home and uh, let us know where to find you, Mark, and uh, what you're doing these days? Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, writing sometimes for uh, Teal Town USA, and that's pretty much it for me at these, these days, just working in New York. <laughs> All righty. Well, you stay safe, Mark, and appreciate you being on. Kevin, where can the people find you? What are you doing these days? I'm doing way too much, um, but I am at Kevin Lacey 22 on most social media platforms. Um, I think a big winner today was Calgary because just the fact that they traded down twice and still got the guy that they picked that they wanted and acquired two third round picks for tomorrow. Um, so good on them. Uh, good on the Sharks, too, for, for the uh, sign language moment for Ozzy's mom. I thought that was great. Ottawa was really cool bringing in Alex Trebek. Uh, I thought that was neat. Um, but in terms of like heartwarming moments, I feel like the Sharks really owned it tonight with the sign language because with, with the O, Z, Z and Y. Uh, just because Ottawa's Alex Trebek moment was awesome, but it was kind of self-serving. And Calgary's Lanny McDonald moment was kind of self-serving. And the Dale Howardchuk moment was Super touching for Winnipeg, but again, kind of self-serving. This was just straight up. Yeah, you got the this feels. This is for Aussie's mom. You got the feels. So great on, on the one. Sharks. Yeah. 
yeah, no, no, awesome, awesome from the org um, to do that. And uh, yeah, I, I think the the sharks kind of have proven that they're they're a very classy organization and they do it right. So uh, you know, from all of us, um, I'm Eric Landy at Eric Landy. You can use uh, my first name that's E R I K spelled the right way, last name Landy on all the social media garbage. Um, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And we're going to have way more draft coverage tomorrow after round two. I believe Mr. Kura will be on himself. So thank you and have a great night, everybody.